Large-scale Russian attack on Ukraine kills at least 16 people. Victoria Kim Mark Santora Liz Alderman Charlie Savage Stanley Reed Michael Schwartz Chris Rim. KYIV, Ukraine, a rocket slammed into an apartment block in central Ukraine on Friday morning as a Russian aerial assault against towns and cities across the country killed at least 15 people and injured dozens more, officials said. In the first wide-ranging Russian assault against civilian targets in more than a month, air alarms blared around 4 a.m. as Russian bombers over the Caspian Sea unleashed about two dozen cruise missiles and attacked drones at targets across Ukraine. The deadliest attack appeared to be in the central city of Yumen, which is nearly 200 miles north of the front line and has not been a frequent target of attacks. At least 13 people were killed in Yumen, President Volodymyr Zelensky said on Twitter, adding that rescue workers would search until they make sure that no one else is left under the rubble. One of the rockets hit a nine-story residential building, reducing the front to ruin, Ayer Klemenko, the head of Ukraine's national police, said on the Telegram messaging app. More than 100 people lived in the block, where more than half of the 46 apartments were destroyed, he said. The entire town heard that awful explosion, said Tashiana, a local hotel administrator who asked that her family name not be published out of safety concerns. It has been quiet for a while, and we had a feeling like life is coming back to normal. And now, again. Ayer Tabaretz, the head of the regional military administration, said that two 10-year-olds were among the dead. In addition to the residential buildings, the missiles hit a warehouse, he said. Mr. Tabaretz posted photographs of rescue workers scrambling amid the smoke and debris. Explosions also rang out in the central city of Dnipro around 4.30 a.m., according to the local authorities. Sariai Lysak, the head of the regional military administration, said a young woman and child had been killed in an attack. At least four others were injured in the city. Ukrainian officials condemned the strikes as a sign of Russia's unending aggression and called again for more advanced Western weapons to fend off the attacks. Dmitro Kaleba, Ukraine's foreign minister, said on Twitter, the way to peace is to kick Russia out of Ukraine. The way to peace is to arm Ukraine with F-16s and protect children from Russian terror. In the capital, Kiev, explosions in the sky were heard before dawn. Local officials said that 11 cruise missiles and two drones had been shot down over the region. Debris from one rocket rained down on an apartment in Ukrainka, about 25 miles south of the capital, injuring a 13-year-old girl, local officials said. The Kiev City Military Administration said it was the first missile attack on Kiev in more than 50 days. The main thrust of the attack came from Russian 295 strategic bombers, which fired 23 cruise missiles from near the Caspian Sea toward the central, eastern and southern regions of Ukraine, Valery Zelizny, the commander of Ukrainian military forces, said in a statement. He said Ukrainian air defenses had shot down 21 of the missiles. The State of the War First known contact. Xi Jinping, China's leader and an ally of President Vladimir Putin of Russia, had an hour-long phone conversation with President Volodymyr Zelensky of Ukraine. The words Russia and war were not uttered. Spring Offensive
Ukraine is preparing to launch a counteroffensive against Russian forces in the face of immense risks. Without a decisive victory, Western support for Ukraine could weaken, and Kyiv could come under increasing pressure to enter serious peace talks to end or freeze the conflict. Grain Supplies When Russia's war blocked vitally needed Ukrainian grain exports, EU officials succeeded in finding other routes out. But the solution has caused discontent among European farmers. KYIV, Ukraine, the military objective of Moscow's first large-scale bombardment of Ukraine in more than a month was unclear, but it served as a reminder that Russia remains determined to inflict widespread suffering on civilians far from the front lines. And as fighting is expected to escalate in coming weeks, the cruise missile strikes highlight the critical role Ukrainian air defense systems will play in limiting the damage Russia can wreak. In a trove of Pentagon documents related to the war in Ukraine that have leaked online, U.S. intelligence agencies speculated that without a major influx of Western munitions, Ukraine's entire air defense network, weakened by repeated barges from Russian drones and missiles, could fracture. Despite the militarily tolerable near-term prospects, there is a long-term crisis building as Ukrainian air defense assets get used up, the Center for Strategic and International Studies wrote in a report on the status of Ukrainian air defenses released this week. As defenses weaken, the Russians will get bolder and more aggressive. The Ukrainian military said it shot down 21 of 23 cruise missiles fired at targets across Ukraine on Friday. But Russia appears to once again be adjusting tactics when using its own diminished supply of precision missiles to evade detection. On Thursday, Russia launched four-caliber cruise missiles from warships on the Black Sea at the southern port of Mykolaiv, the first bombardment using precision missiles to attack the city in months. The Ukrainian military's southern command said that Russia made multiple changes in the trajectory of the missiles and their launch locations to complicate Ukrainian air defense's ability to detect them. Ukraine has enough air defense systems to make it dangerous for Russian aircraft to fly over the front lines and military facilities, the CSIS report found, but that is not the case with Russia's broader missile attacks. Because resupply is limited or impossible, Ukraine cannot fire too many air defense missiles at Russian cruise missiles and drones, of which there are hundreds, the report said. The West has supplied Ukraine with sophisticated weapon systems, but Ukrainian officials must be selective in how they use them. Ukrainian officials said Friday that a second division of the Patriot anti-aircraft missile system provided by the United States was already on combat duty but would be used to protect critical infrastructure, particularly nuclear power plants. This is extremely important, said Yuri Ayanat, a spokesman for the Ukrainian Air Force, and it is necessary to give a clear signal to our European partners that the security of not only Ukraine but also Europe is at stake here. Russia is threatening to back out of a deal brokered by the United Nations and Turkey last July, which has allowed Ukraine to export millions of tons of grain from its ports on the Black Sea despite the war. The pact was accompanied by assurances that Russia's agricultural products and fertilizers would also make it to world markets. But Moscow officials have repeatedly said that obstacles remain. Speaking at a news conference at the United Nations this week, Russia's foreign minister, Sergei V. Lavrov, said the pact was in a deadlock. 
He repeated the Kremlin's complaints that while the agreement had allowed Ukraine's food exports to get to markets, Western sanctions, imposed as punishment for the full-scale invasion, continued to compromise the sale of Russia's agricultural products. Here is a look at where the deal stands and Russia's demands for extending it. The Black Sea Grain Initiative was established to alleviate a global food crisis that developed after the beginning of the full-scale invasion last year when Russia's control of the waterways blocked ships from carrying Ukraine's grain out of its ports on the Black Sea. Ukraine is one of the world's biggest grain exporters, and the blockage swiftly sent grain prices soaring. The agreement allowed exports to resume last August. The deal has come within days of expiring twice before, in November and in March. Each time, Moscow agreed to extend the agreement, but the most recent extension came with a warning, it said the renewed deal would expire in 60 days, on May 18, if the United Nations failed to resolve five systemic problems around Russian agricultural exports. Russian officials have said that the grain deal unfairly favors Ukraine at Russia's expense. Russia's foreign ministry, in a statement earlier this month, said that a parallel UN deal brokered last July had failed to remove obstacles hindering its agricultural exports. That agreement said the United Nations would continue efforts to facilitate the transparent unimpeded access of food and fertilizers. We are listening to the party's views, and we are trying to resolve disagreements through discussions at all levels, Farhan Azizhak, a UN spokesman, said on Thursday. He added, the more food and fertilizer is supplied to the world markets, the more we can mitigate the devastating effects of the cost-of-living crisis and benefit vulnerable populations across the world. We hope that all sides acknowledge the global benefit and value of those agreements and commit to supporting their continuation. What are Russia's demands? These are the demands that Russia's foreign ministry listed in a statement on April 13. Reconnect Russia's agricultural bank to the SWIFT payment system. The state-owned Russian agricultural bank is one of several institutions, barred by Western sanctions, from SWIFT, an international messaging service that is critical for cross-border payments. Lift restrictions on maritime insurance and on the supply of spare parts used in agricultural machinery. The United States, Britain and the European Union say they have already excluded Russian agricultural goods from their sanctions, but Russian companies have repeatedly complained that Western banks, insurance providers and shipping companies still refuse to work with them for fear of overstepping the boundaries of the exemptions or of attracting bad publicity. End sanctions against fertilizer companies and people linked to them. Dmitry Mazepin, the founder of the major fertilizer producer Uralcom, is among the businessmen on the international sanctions lists. Restore an ammonia pipeline that crosses Ukraine For months, Russia has demanded that it be allowed to resume exporting ammonia through the Taliadi-Odessa pipeline, which connects chemical factories in the Russian industrial city of Taliadi with Ukraine's Pivdeniai port, near Odessa. Kiev has countered that request with its own, a prisoner of war swap. A United Nations spokesman, Stefan Dejarik, said this week that the agency was still working to resolve obstacles around the use of the pipeline. Timothy Ash, a Russia expert and sovereign strategist at Blue Bay Asset Management in London, is skeptical.
In the specific area of agriculture, he said, Russia had even seen some benefits from sanctions because competitive Western products have been largely excluded from the domestic market. He added that Russian demands to lift restrictions on maritime insurance had less to do with exporting grain than with Moscow's desire to facilitate seaborne oil exports. The European Union and group of seven countries have barred Western maritime insurance providers from insuring ships carrying any Russian oil priced above $60 a barrel. The Russians are just trying to use the Black Sea grain deal to get leverage to soften sanctions on Russia more generally, he said. Washington, Amnesty International's board has sat for months on a report critical of the group after it accused Ukrainian forces of illegally endangering civilians while fighting Russia, according to documents and a person familiar with the matter. The 18-page report, a copy of which was obtained by the New York Times, underscores the complexity of applying international law to aspects of the conflict in Ukraine and the continuing sensitivity of a matter that prompted a fierce and swift backlash to the human rights group. In a lengthy statement on August 4, Amnesty International accused Ukrainian forces of a pattern of illegally putting civilians in harm's way by housing soldiers nearby and launching attacks from populated areas. Russia, which has shelled civilian buildings and killed many civilians, portrayed the finding as vindication, but it otherwise incited outrage. In response, the group, expressed deep regret for the distress and anger its statement caused and announced it would conduct an external evaluation to learn what exactly went wrong and why. As part of that, Amnesty International's board commissioned an independent legal review of whether the substance of what it had said was legitimate. A review panel of five international humanitarian law experts received internal emails and interviewed staff members. In some respects, the report by the review panel absolved Amnesty International, concluding that it was proper to evaluate whether a defender, not just an aggressor, was obeying the laws of war, and saying that Amnesty's records made clear that Ukrainian forces were frequently near civilians. Under international law, it wrote, both sides in any conflict must try to protect civilians, regardless of the rightness of their cause. As a result, it is entirely appropriate. For a rights organization to criticize violations by a victim of aggression, provided that there is sufficient evidence of such violations. But the review panel nevertheless unanimously concluded that Amnesty International had botched its statement in several ways and that its key conclusions that Ukraine violated international law were not sufficiently substantiated by the available evidence. Evidence is piling up about the steady disintegration of Russia's vital natural gas export industry since the country's invasion of Ukraine. Russian news reports estimate that Russia's gas exports by pipeline could fall as much as 50% in volume this year from last year. And last year was an especially bad year. The problems are not limited to gas delivered by pipeline. The European Union is threatening to curtail imports of liquefied natural gas from Russia, which were the solitary bright spot for the Russian industry last year. Russia has to a great extent cut itself off from Europe, its most important customer for natural gas, one that paid on time and full prices. By launching hostilities and then slashing and manipulating supplies, Russia threw away decades of work establishing itself as the largest gas supplier to energy-hungry Europe, ceding that position to Norway. On Thursday, Izvestia, a Kremlin-linked publication, reported that pipeline exports might fall 50% in 2023, citing a government forecast. 
That figure roughly correlates with some Western estimates. Russia has fared surprisingly well at holding on to its share in the oil markets despite Western embargoes, although the need to sell at a discount has cut deeply into revenue. But finding new customers for gas is much more difficult because most of the fuel is still transported through fixed pipelines. Russia has less capacity than the United States, Qatar and Australia to export liquefied natural gas, a fuel that can be transported on ships like oil. Russia's losses have provided an easy victory for the petroleum industry in the United States, which has greatly increased shipments of liquefied natural gas to terminals across Europe. Russian gas exports to the European Union by pipeline are likely to fall by two-thirds this year, according to estimates from Viktor Katona, an analyst at Plur, a research firm. And exports in 2022, the first year of the invasion, fell more than 50 percent. Russia is likely to see some gain in gas sales to China and, potentially, to Turkey, now Moscow's largest customers for gas. Russia exports gas to China using a pipeline called Power of Siberia, and it is angling to build another link. But at this point, China is just a fraction of the market that Europe used to be for Russian gas. Europe's strategy for reducing dependence on Russian gas and other energy sources has worked surprisingly well. Europe made up the losses largely by increasing imports of liquefied natural gas, largely from the United States, and slashing demand. The European Union recently reported that gas consumption from August through March was nearly 18% below the average over those months from 2017 to 2022. Europe has now survived what once threatened to be a difficult winter with little disruption and that has soothed markets. European gas prices, which spiked in the early months of the war, have fallen almost 90% from their peak in August. Those price declines will translate into lower revenue on the gas Moscow does manage to sell. Russian oil revenue is also under pressure, dropping 29% in the first quarter of 2023 from the last three months of 2022 to about $39 billion as sanctions and price caps began to bite, according to a study published Wednesday by the Kiev School of Economics. With this success behind them, European leaders are contemplating widening their attack to include imports of liquefied natural gas from Russia. Moscow substantially increased liquefied natural gas shipments to Europe last year, largely from an Arctic facility, while it slashed pipeline exports. Russian LNG shipments to Europe reached record levels in February, according to Ristad Energy, a consulting firm. But Kadri Simpson, the EU Energy Commissioner, has urged members of the bloc and European energy companies to stop buying Russian LNG and not to sign any new contracts with Russia, she told lawmakers last month. Some analysts are skeptical that the European Union would prohibit Russian LNG purchases, not least because big buyers of gas from the facility called Yamal LNG are Total Energies, one of France's most important companies, and Natergy, a major Spanish energy company. We think it would become a real headache for the EU to do that, said James Waddell, head of European Gas and Global LNG at Energy Aspects, a research firm. On the other hand, having largely gone cold turkey on Russian pipeline gas, European leaders may calculate that going without Russian LNG would be less damaging, figured Massimo Diodordo, vice president for gas at Wood McKenzie, a consulting firm. 
Donetsk region, Ukraine, Russian forces have intensified their military activities around Volodar, a coal mining town at a strategic crossroads along the front lines in the eastern Donbass region that was the scene of epic tank battles earlier this year. An apparent Russian attempt to seize the initiative with a late winter offensive seems to have faltered in the face of Ukrainian resistance, but the incessant pounding of artillery and rocket fire around the town on Thursday attests that the Russians still have a lot of fight left as temperatures rise and the viscous spring mud solidifies. On Thursday, two Russian fighter jets screamed up to the Ukrainian lines near the town, dropped their ordnance and banked sharply, hurtling back from where they came. Two large black plumes were left in their wake rising from the detonations. I don't know where the Russians are getting so much artillery, said a 43-year-old private named Pavlo who operates a heavy machine gun atop an American-made Max Pro armored fighting vehicle in the sector. And there are also tanks, helicopters, and jets. The guys can't get in and out of their positions, the firing is so heavy. Both the Ukrainians and Russians are gearing up for the summer fighting season. While much focus is on an expected Ukrainian counteroffensive, which could begin any time, Russia's plans for the near future are somewhat foggy. Just two months ago, Volodar was the scene of what was the most intense tank battle of the war. Russian forces faced a stinging setback after advancing its columns into ambushes that Ukraine's military said has cost Russia at least 130 tanks and armored personnel carriers. Ukraine's forces in the area now, positioned through a warren of trench works in the farm fields around the town, are facing off not against undertrained mobilized troops or former convicts as in other fronts, but some of Moscow's best-trained forces, including naval infantry troops from Russia's Far East. The fighters are charged up to go forward regardless of the fact that there are minuses, said a company commander who uses the callsign Dolphin. We're losing in numbers and losing perhaps in a number of areas because of our weaponry. I'm not going to say that everything is going well, is going great. Ukraine's leaders hope that an infusion of aid in the form of new Western weaponry, particularly tanks and armored fighting vehicles, will help even the scales. The forces near Volodar are already benefiting from the provision of a fleet of the Max Pros, part of a class of mine-resistant vehicles known as MRAPs. Video Player Loading Phoenix, Brittany Griner, the WNBA star who became the center of a geopolitical showdown between the United States and Russia last year, said Thursday that her management team has been in touch with the family of Evan Gershkovich, a Wall Street Journal reporter detained in Russia and classified by the U.S. government as a wrongful detainee. Ms. Griner, who plays for the Phoenix Mercury and was detained in Russia for nearly 10 months last year, spoke with news reporters for the first time since her release in December in a prisoner exchange. She said that nobody, including Mr. Gershkovich, deserved an experience similar to her imprisonment. I have that mindset of, you know, no man left behind. No man, no woman left behind, Ms. Greiner said, citing her family's military background, including her father's service in the Marines during the Vietnam War. She added, no one should be in those conditions, hands down. Ms. Greiner, who was freed as part of a prisoner exchange in December, said it hurts in part to have been released before other Americans who have been detained longer and to see the recent arrest of Mr. Gershkovich. On Thursday, Ms. Greiner said that she had not spoken directly to his family but that the Mercury and Wasserman, the agency that represents her, had been sharing knowledge, which is a big thing. 
She added, it goes a long way because, I mean, you're in foreign territory and you're in unknown waters. So there's a lot that we might know that they didn't know, so there's been a lot of communication between both teams.